brought to you by Audible. Go to paulthebookguy.com slash audible and get a free book just for signing up for a free trial. Coming to you live from the top of the CN Tower, the top of Book Mountain, and from the free hollow book shed. So the it's free- the hollow book bunker. Hollow book bunker. Sorry. Okay. Um, my name is Paul Alves, and with me today, Jimmy from Free Hollow Books. How you doing, Jimmy? I'm doing good. Glad to be here. <laughs> Welcome aboard. We're going to get into some book news, Jimmy, but uh, I, I hear some uh, scraping in the background, cutting noises. Yeah, um, I was out shopping around a few of the different places I look for books and uh, happened to be at one of the local Goodwills. And they had uh, put out a whole bunch of books that day because I had been there the day before. And I saw some Orson Scott card books. Um, Sweet. I, I ran across four of them. Like somebody had just had their whole library thrown into Goodwill. And oddly enough, when I opened the first one, I saw that it was autographed. Quite a interesting autograph. It's definitely one of a kind. And they were personalized to different people from back in 2009. Nice. And I, I, I noticed on the back of the jacket that he is from Greensboro, North Carolina, which is only about seven miles away from the hollow book bunker. I did not know he was from around here. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. And you know, you, I, I got to call dibs on at least one of those. Oh, absolutely. I've got two here. This one here is called the hidden M or just called hidden empire. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm going to hollow it out live on the internet. And during the show here, it'll be done. Be ready tomorrow. And I don't know. What do you think? Do you think we ought to sell this and, and give all the money to the general. Do you think we ought to give this away? That would be brilliant. Uh, I, we did do. I did do an interview with uh, General Bigelow, and uh, we'll play it later in the show, Jimmy. And if, if you wanted to contribute to that cause, that'd be brilliant. All right, we'll talk about that later. All right, we'll discuss it later. But first, we're going to get into book news. Ah, big news! Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs. He's been all over the news uh, for the last couple of weeks, of course, and once again. It looks like from different news sources, I'm getting from Reuters and all, all different kind of sources here, the Steve Jobs biography, may uh, the one by Walter Isaacson, of course, the official one, may become Amazon's top book of 2011, which is surprising seeing as it's coming out late October, right? Well, um, you know, it doesn't surprise me so much because it's the first book I've bought to read And I don't remember how long, so if it's got somebody like me grabbing it off the shelf, I wouldn't be surprised if if it's going to be the number one book of the year. Yeah, some of our constant readers are going to cringe because, you know, when Jimmy buys a book, he's carving a hole in it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have some that are partially read. I'm sure all of them have been read at least once, but uh, the ones here have a higher purpose. Yes, a higher purpose. Yes, or a holier purpose. Anyways, <laughs> aha. So, so we're looking at uh, Amazon. Um, Audible is starting to get a lot of sales of the uh, audiobook. The iTunes bookstore is going nuts on this. Uh, I, I, every time I go to paulthebookguy.com, I look on the left hand side where's the top uh, iTunes book and audiobook. I see Steve staring at me, uh, you know, holding his chin. And um, yeah, this could be uh, this could be a big big seller. Uh, other news with uh, the same book, Steve Jobs' book. Apparently, in the book, Jimmy, he um, uh, he admits to the the biographer that uh, he believed that he had already figured out a way to transform television, and uh, just as he had done with computers, music players, and cell phones. 
And uh, I've got a theory on this, and I actually did an internet search, and it seems that a lot of other people agree with uh, the idea that popped into my head. Now, what I'm thinking is, they bought Siri a couple years ago, right? The technology that's in the iPhone 4S, the, the personal assistant that everybody's using, uh, where you can talk to your phone. And I've been look, I looked at the Siri technology, and it's not just a you know, voice um, control thing, because you know, we've had that for like 15 years, and it never worked. Part of what makes Siri work is that uh, it can eliminate, it uses the iPhone's uh, noise-canceling features, and the microphone, uh, the noise canceling microphone on the iPhone to remove all the background noise. So even when you're like in a busy room, a lot of people talking, when you talk into your iPhone, Siri still understands you. So what I'm thinking is that uh, with a couple of years they've had with the technology from the company Siri that they bought, I think his solution for, for t- easy to use television is Siri. So I'm thinking you're gonna have this TV, you plug it in, it's gonna have one plug, and grandma's just going to say, I want to play a DVD, and it's going to go, fine. The, your, your TV will have Siri's voice, and it'll say, not a problem, grandma. Stick the DVD in, and we'll go. Or, well, if, or say, hey, uh, put it back on the ball game, and then you know, the next thing you know, it's got you and your wife on there, and she's wanting to change it to Rachel Ray. You're wanting to change it to football. <laughs> and uh, do you have like a priority list that you can build into Siri? Says no, my voice is the one that goes well, yeah, first. There's, there's I'm probably, on the iTunes account. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. There's probably going to be like a, a settings panel with a, uh, a really good-looking icon that shows pants, and it'll say, "Who wears the pants?" Oh yeah, and you'll that have would to be select a, which tremendous. user. <laughs> but I think that's uh, as soon as I thought of it, I was like, "Yeah, that's got to be it." Because uh, like e- even like my mom, I've locked away uh, the you know five of her six remotes, and she has a simple setup too. For some reason, just five freaking remotes. So I hide all but one. But even with that one, like uh, I don't know about you guys down in North Carolina, Jimmy, but even Rogers here in Canada, your basic Rogers uh, remote control that you get now has like sixty nine buttons on it. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. I tell you, I, I actually don't even have digital cable. <laughs> I've tried it. I went back and forth, but I'm more of a channel flipper. And when you go to flipping a channel from one to the next, it takes seconds for it to load on yes. digital. It's um, I yeah. I could it's, never get over that. Hump. It's annoying. Uh, but but that's all in the book, the Steve Jobs uh, biography, and uh, I purchased that. It's on my iPad, and I was just about to start it, but uh, a preview copy of Stephen King's Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three showed up. I'm a very big Stephen King fan, so I can guarantee you, folks, uh, next, uh, next Sunday when we release the next uh, episode, I will definitely be bringing a review, a uh, preview review of that uh, that book. Uh, it's a book, Jimmy, about um, it involves. And all I know about the book is that it involves time travel. Uh, it involves uh, somebody stopping the assassination of JFK. Uh, it's got a really good book jacket. Like on the front, it has the actual newspaper from the day when JFK was assassinated. And then on the back, it's got uh, basically saying, JFK narrowly escapes murder attempt. Wife is fine too, you know? So we'll check that out after. Now, Jimmy, uh, yesterday we uh, recorded the emergency broadcast system and we had the vegan black metal chef on. Yes, we did. I know the folks are wondering, well, what what does that have to do with with books? But uh, apparently when we spoke with uh, Brian Manowitz, who is the, uh, the man behind Vegan Black Metal Chef, uh, he told us that there is a book in the works, uh, an audio book. He's not sure. Uh, it might be a multimedia experience. But we are looking forward to that. Uh, we're definitely going to bring that to the table when it shows up. Uh, yeah, Brian has me on the search for uh, an elusive, uh, seemingly elusive anyway, bottle of truffle oil. 
and he has me turning the plate and then cutting the the tofu. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, but if, if you go to paulthebookguy.com, uh, you can just search for vegan black metal chef, and uh, you'll find the story there and a uh, link to his website. Um, what do we got next? We got also this week comic books, comic books, comic books. So uh, the Center for Disease Control released a free zombie comic book. Uh, you can search uh, paulthebooker.com for CDC zombies, and you'll find a link to the free PDF. Uh, it's all about a zombie attack, and it's intended to be a tongue-in-cheek way of informing the public of uh, what to do uh, in a real outbreak of real disease. And uh, But I'm still getting my anti-zombie weaponry ready, just in case. That's never a bad idea, and keep the chainsaw gassed up. You don't have to have it in the house, but That's it right. has to be on the property. <laughs> keep it well-maintained. I did a, uh, an interview with Brigadier General Bigelow from the Canadian Armed Forces about Operation Santa Claus. It's a great way that you can support the Canadian troops. I'm going to play that interview now. And with us on the line now is Brigadier General Bigelow from the Canadian Armed Forces to tell us a little bit about Operation Santa Claus. Hello, General. How are you doing? Very well, sir. What exactly is Operation Santa Claus? Well, what it is, is it's a, it really goes back to about 1991, where a group of uh, Montreal housewives organized sending packages, Christmas packages, to their spouses serving on uh, peacekeeping duties overseas. And from there, it, it's just grown leaps and bounds to the point where all kinds of Canadians uh, across the country like to support folks that are deployed overseas by either sending money or articles to go into Christmas packages or hampers, if you will, right. that end up in a box in a, uh, in a soldier or sailor in airman's hand somewhere on the far side of the world. This, this program, it says, has grown over the years. And, you know, at the peak of operations in Afghanistan, I think we sent out something like 4,500 uh, packages to, to folks around the world. This year, with the change in the mission, uh, we're down to about 2,600. But, of course, you know, Afghanistan is the focus these days. But we've got folks all over in Haiti, Cyprus, uh, Israel, Egypt, where I was a uh, year before last, the Sudan, Congo, Sierra Leone, you name it. And uh, I can tell you, not, I should also mention the folks uh, deployed at sea on board our warships. And uh, they're very well received. You know, for example, I spent a year in the Sinai Desert uh, as part of a peacekeeping force along the Israeli-Egyptian border and with about 27 other Canadians. And uh, when these packages arrived, it was, uh, it was a real treat uh, come Christmas time to, uh, to have something to open up. And, you know, there's, there are great things in the packages, but it's really the thought behind them that really counts the most. Now, uh, what, what kind of items uh, do the troops really want to see in the care package? What's allowed? I mean, we're, we're a book show, so I'm assuming that... Uh, books and music is okay, and what else uh, would the troops uh, want? Well, books and music, are, especially books, are fantastic. And, you know, where I was, as a case in point, um, there were books in the packages, novels, and, you know, sometimes when you're on a deployment like that, things are pretty busy, and times are often very busy, but there's downtime, and uh, there's not all that much to do, and a good book is something to treasure. And what we would all do, of course, is uh, we would have sort of run a little mini take-it-or-leave-it take it type library after someone's finished the books so we can share them and make a recommendation. So, so books are huge. Um, you know, there's some t- typical sort of uh, items that you might not get, like treats and um, you know, chocolates and that kind of stuff, as long as it's you know, not too perishable, because, right. of course, some of these things sit in the heat for a while en route. But, uh, um, you know, lots of little sort of swag-type items you find in there, which are kind of a nice thing to have along. But I say books are huge. Uh, are, are there any restrictions on the content of the books or the subject matter? So for any of our listeners who are going to submit some books uh, or donate them to the troops, 
Are there any that they shouldn't send in the, uh, for a care package? Honestly, I can't think of any any restrictions. You know, uh, um, folks are, are happy to get anything, and of course, everyone's got their own taste and, and uh, choice to make. But what you often find is, is see, see people swapping things around, or as I say, after they've read them, they're going to swap them around as well. So it's all good. Brilliant. Now, uh, how can people who want to donate uh, their items get the items to you? Is there a, a drop-off depot? Is there an address? Uh, we'll post it on the site. Well, but, uh, the, the easiest thing is there. there's a pretty good website. Um, it's called supportingourtroops.ca. So supporting with ING ourtroops.ca and from there you can find links to uh, Operation Santa Claus and other ways that, that folks can support. We, there's a number of different funds because uh, there's just so many Canadians who want to help out uh, uh, particularly military families or other, other folks in, in a difficult situation but this particular one Operation Santa Claus they can reach through that website. Brilliant. Now I also saw on your website that there's a uh, right to the troops uh, section. How, how does that work? Well, that's that's kind of fascinating. Um, there's a number of different ways it works, but you know, I think, uh, for example, when I showed up, I deployed to the Persian Gulf just after Christmas in uh, 2002, and the letters were all over the place, and and you, you sort of sit a, a letter's written to to. to you know, uh, any soldier, if you will, and these get sort of passed around, and people have a chance to read them. And for example, some I've received, you know, I get a chance to respond back and say thank you. And usually, people are just wishing well and and right. hoping things are, are are going okay. And and it's just a, it's a nice thought. And again, as I said before, as long as along with the packages of of things and books and everything else, um, it is the thought behind it that counts. And and that's super to get something a handwritten letter, whether it's from a, a kid or an adult or uh, maybe maybe someone who's got a loved one deployed overseas but you know obviously they're writing to their their own loved one but they like to just to send a message off in in the shot in the dark like that that uh, is very well received excellent now, now general we're going to reach out to everybody that listens to the show uh see if we can get some books and other items uh that are listed on the site i'll put all the information on paulthebookguy.com and uh we hope that everyone will support the troops in a, in a real manner which I, I believe this is a great way to support the troops i mean you're actually giving them something in their hand that they can use while they're overseas oh it, it sure is paul and and uh, i say the books uh, of all the things i think I, I received uh you know there's nothing better than a good book it's it's used to call it a bit like the time accelerator going to the time capsule because if you do have some downtime and you're sort of missing home and the rest of it like you know yourself there's nothing like a good book to sort of whisk you away for an hour or two and uh and, and it, it really does. It helps out a great deal. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, General. I'm sure you're a busy man. We won't keep you for too much longer, but we will uh, we'll see what we can do about getting a nice big donation over to you from our uh, listeners. Well, listen, thanks very much, Paul. It's great talking to you guys, and uh, thanks so much for your interest in this. Uh, we sure appreciate it a whole bunch. Yeah, what a, what a great guy. It was fun talking to him. And uh, that was uh, General Bigelow from the Canadian Armed Forces. And uh, we are going to uh, be... Uh, putting something together on the website, trying to get some of our constant listeners and readers to uh, to donate to the... It's a great cause. Great way to support the troops. Much better than, uh, you know, putting a uh, a made-in-China yellow ribbon on your Japanese car. Just oh, ab- absolutely. <laughs> you know, I was thinking while uh, we were speaking with the general, he said that books are big, and, you know, I have quite a few books here that aren't hollowed out, believe it or not. Okay. And I have several duplicates, and I think I'm going to have to put together a box and, and ship it out to the general. Oh, wicked. Thank you very much, Jimmy. That's great. And, uh, you know, uh, we're going to find out what the equivalent uh, uh, program is in the United States. 
And I think we're going to return the favor as well because, uh, you know, about half of our listeners are in the United States as well. So uh, I'm going to put together a little section on the site where you can donate your books to uh, either cause or both if you'd like. You know, I think it's a, a fantastic idea to support our neighbors to the north because, you know, you are America's hat. <laughs> we like to say that you're our butt, but whatever. Okay. <laughs> uh, now I'm going to take a, a flying leap into the lead as far as the book guy who actually read Romance. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So a couple of episodes ago, it was quite a while ago, Greg, Chris, and myself all pledged to read Romance. You're exempt, Jimmy. You you weren't there. You didn't uh, make the pledge. And I didn't want to do the whole Harlequin route. But landing in my lap from good friend of the podcast, Nancy Nagel, part of the team, uh, Johnson Nagel, that did uh, Inkblot, which we talked about earlier. Uh, I read Sweet Tea and Secrets. Uh, It's an uh, Adam Grove novel. Adam's Grove, sorry, uh, the series. And uh, it's about uh, a lady named Jill Clemens who uh, leaves her small town of Adams Grove, which is the, uh, the location where all the, the whole series uh, takes place in. And, and she's met up with uh, her boss. She kind of hooks up with her boss, and, and now they're engaged to be married. His name is Bradley, and he's kind of a, you know, not a nice guy. Uh, and the story follows her returning to the small town because Grandma Pearl has died. And uh, as soon as I started the book, it starts off kind of with a... Um, a reunion sort of thing. Uh, with Grandma Pearl is at the reunion. And uh, just that whole, uh, the whole scene in the book, the whole uh, chapter was just brilliant. And I had to just keep going. I, I read the whole book in, in like two days. And uh, So uh, let me ask you this. Was was a full book report uh, something that you you guys agreed to for the bet? You, got, you know, they, they want to know the synopsis of the book. You got to be able to prove uh, that you actually absolutely, read it. Absolutely. Well, I was, I was going to uh, talk about this book either way. But uh, it just so happened that uh, I went in just knowing that the, on the cover it says Sweet Tea and Secrets. There's a, a nice, uh, you know, glass of sweet tea. I didn't know that I was fulfilling my romance, uh, you know, obligation when I started. But, yeah, they're definitely going to have to come to the table with a, you know, full review. They can't just, like, you know, uh, give us a title. <laughs> but uh, uh, Pearl, uh, Grandma Pearl dies early in the, in the novel. And uh, Jill me- meets up with her longtime uh, or ex, uh, ex-love, Garrett, and, uh, and and it gets interesting. There's some break-ins at the house and uh, a little twist of suspense in there. Uh, things are happening to do with uh, Pearl. Pearl uh, leaves the house and the property to, uh, to Jill and her former uh, lover, Garrett, on the condition. There's a whole bunch of conditions, and one of them is that they got to live in the house for a month. And, uh, you know, as they say, hilarity ensues. Great book. Lots of fun. Uh, and it is... Romance. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was a That's very nice. entertaining, very entertaining novel. It'll appeal to uh, romantic suspense fans, uh, people who uh, who like their romance mixed with a little bit of action and intrigue. So it's not a full blown. Uh, it's not one of those throwaway Harlequin Harlequin novels. It, it was a very interesting read, and uh, you know the Paul the Book guy is not a big reader of. Uh, you know, pulp uh, romance fiction, but uh, this was great. So, are you saying that uh, 
Fabio was not on the cover? No, Fabio was not on the cover. <laughs> Fabio. I, I, I actually look Fabio. forward to I look forward to reading more of the Adams Grove novels. Like uh, it, uh, the small town is just portrayed so well in the in the novel. That you get a feel for the small town and uh, the way everyone interacts in the small town, and uh, it's just well described. It, it was a quick read too. It, was, uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't like a um, a doorstopper as we say. It, it was a enjoyable story. Nancy Nagel's Sweet Tea and Secrets. Uh, I'm going to be posting a full review on the site very soon, and you'll be able to see it by uh, searching uh, on the search bar at paulthebookguy.com. Coming up next, we're going to be speaking with American author Ron Barak, who is the writer of A Season for Redemption, a uh, novel whose topic is uh, very topical currently. It's right out of the headlines. Uh, it was right out of the headlines a couple of months ago when it was released, when I read it. Uh, and it's it's still relevant right now. We'll be talking around right after this break. Dreams of a sailor. The wit. I'm thinking perky boobs can only go so far. Today is a very busy day for me. I have to go to the beach and work on my tan. The wisdom. God gets to see its own creation through each and every living organism. Are we, the collection of our experiences, immortal? And the wanderings of a cruiser. North Caicos, the DR, the Coron, St. Thomas, Provo, the Luthera. www.dreamsofasailor.com This is Gabrielle DeCure, the voice of Valentine in Ender's Game. And you're listening to Paul the Book Guy. Jimmy, with us on the line right now is Ron Barrick, the author of A Season for Redemption. How are you, Ron? I'm, I'm fine, Paul. Uh, I'm, I'm just great. Uh, thanks so much uh, for uh, having this chat with me. Brilliant. Uh, thank you for joining. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself, Ron, before we talk about your book. Uh, where, where are you at right now? Where, uh... Well, I'm at my home, which is in Pacific Palisades, pleasantly looking out of my office at a sunset that is starting to happen over the Pacific Ocean. The Pacific Palisades is essentially a part of Los Angeles, California, on the west end of Los Angeles. And that's where I am now and most of the time. And now A Season uh, for Redemption is your first book? And, uh, That's correct. Can you tell us a little bit about the plot of this one? Uh, a Season for Redemption takes place in modern-day Washington, D.C., and is about a vigilante serial killer who is going around assassinating high-profile politicians who he blames for abandoning their public trust in favor of their own personal uh, agendas and in the course of that bringing the country, if not most of the world, into all of the economic difficulties it's been experiencing from 2008 forward to this very day. Someone is arrested and tried for those murders. In the course of that trial, 
the jury in its deliberations ends up trying the U.S. political system just as much as trying the defendant uh, in that case. Yeah, and I really enjoyed the, the trial of, uh, I believe the gentleman's name was uh, Cliff Norman. Um, That's right. Uh, the way that you worked in uh, little uh, devices where you could explain to the reader uh, what the procedure was in the court, and because uh, I'm reading this and I have no idea about court procedure, and you you always found a way to to have a dialogue between some of the characters where uh, you know one would explain to the other what was happening, how the jury was being picked. I thought that was really brilliant. Well, it's it's very nice of you to say. I had a number of people that were telling me they thought as lay people they would really enjoy really understanding more about how the judicial system really functions, both legally or literally, right. and pragmatically behind the scenes as well. You know, the challenge, at least for me as a new writer, uh, was trying to get that information across in an effective way but also not become tedious uh, at the same time. Um, I hope I succeeded in that regard. Oh, I believe you did. I believe you did. Now, uh, you also have a blog on, on your site? I do. And um, I, I've been reading a lot of your posts. Uh, I've signed up to the newsletter and uh, lots of politics, lots of humor. Uh, really enjoying that. When did you start that? Well, I started it around the time that uh, A Season for Redemption uh, was published. Um, this was new to me. I practiced law for uh, literally decades and um, have never had to pay any attention to marketing. Uh, when I started practicing law, if you uh, really kept your nose to the grind and you did good work, uh, and you did it reasonably promptly, uh, the business came. It took care of itself. As a writer in this day and age, if you don't have really an A-list name like in my thriller uh, or mystery genre, like a, a, a Grisham, then uh, you better be prepared to do some marketing. Right. And... One of the ways to do that, uh, I have learned, is to have a website and include in that website uh, some kind of a blog that allows uh, your readers and potential readers to get to learn a little bit about you and your personality and what's on your mind. That was all um, very new. Uh, for me. So there is in my website, ronaldsbarrick.com, and that includes my blogs uh, that you can reach from that website. Um, I also have something I did at the same time that is called nopoli.org. Nopoli stands for No Politicians, okay. and it was a theme in the novel, um, 
And we decided, decided to create a website uh, for that fictitious entity. Brilliant. And thatnopoli.org uh, does occasional blogs as well as my own personal blogs. What is unusual about that blog site is the blogging staff are four of the characters from my novel. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. They, yeah, they they don't exist, but they receive emails and they respond to emails, and that too was used as kind of a a, a combination of trying to be humorous in dealing with current political issues, and again generating a little bit of uh, additional momentum. You've really brought the people to the characters to life. You could say that quite, quite uh, <laughs> precisely. And uh, you know, it I guess has worked because for two weeks uh, earlier this year in July, the novel actually hit number one on Amazon and Kindle for hard-boiled mysteries. Yeah, I saw your ribbon and, there on the site. Yeah, that was that was quite a pleasant surprise and and an honor for me to see that happen. Uh, Ron, I have I do have a question. Uh, speaking of Amazon, since you brought it up, I was looking on Amazon at your book and, and I pulled up the reviews and I noticed that uh, they were quite favorable. Um, I saw that there were 35 or 34 reviews, and there were um, 33 five-star reviews, and one review of one star. My question for you, Ron, is: What do you say to the hater? <laughs> um, I say um, you're entitled to your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joshing with you, but I thought that was uh, that was interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, getting good reviews, doing very well. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I, you know, thank you for for pointing that out. It, it was interesting uh, when somebody first brought that one one star uh, review to my attention. I went on there to see what he had to say. I was curious to know and actually said very little. It was some kind of statement like, I actually wrote something that was longer, but Amazon blew it technology-wise, so I'm having to write this again, and I'm not going to say it all over again. <laughs> well, that's, that's okay. What he, that's what he basically said, and I, I, I dug a little bit. You can click on something that's a button or something that says, other reviews I've done. And that person has done a total of three reviews. My book, another book, and an ice cream machine, an <laughs> ice cream maker. And each one of those three reviews was similarly written and was a one-star uh, review. So uh, he's entitled to his opinion, and... Um, I guess he and I will probably not be spending New Year's together. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's all right. The, the, if it were all positive, it wouldn't have any realism. So that, that makes people right. automatically think he's a kook. So that, that's <laughs> yeah. good for you. 
Yeah, yeah you know, it, it takes all kinds. And, uh, uh, and some of them own uh, ice cream machines. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's right. Now, that's now Ron, right. are we going to see uh, Detective Frank Loretto or any of the other characters in this story uh, in, a, in a sequel, perhaps? Well, I am uh, in the midst of writing a second uh, novel that is um, in part a sequel. Um, so it's in the same, in, same universe, same world? Uh, same universe, same world. It does involve um, the judge uh, from A Season for Redemption and the detective Frank Latello. Nice. Um, it's a it's a different setting, but same people, same personalities. It ties together um, a few loose ends uh, that surface in the epilogue to a season for redemption, and then it goes on to deal with a new uh, crisis uh, involving uh, a terrorist. Uh, situation in the United States where um, the terrorists have a um, plan in mind, the plan goes awry, and they take a number of hostages to try and bargain their way out. Uh, the President of the United States negotiates with them uh, to no good end and they're at a stalemate. One of the hostages, who happened to be the jury foreman in the trial in a season for redemption, suggests to the head terrorist that Judge Lambert, who he saw in action in that story, might be somebody who could help mediate some kind of a solution and uh, Judge Lambert is sought out by the terrorists and agrees to try and help and he in turn involves Detective Latello uh, from behind the scenes the story evolves from there can't wait to, can't wait to read the second uh, book in the series well, uh, me too. <laughs> Ron, uh, it's been a blast talking to you, and I uh, hope to have you back on when the new book, uh, which I'm assuming at this point uh, you're not giving away the title. Oh, uh, the title is tentative at this time, but I'm happy to share it. Um, it is called The Quiet Terrorists, spelled T-E-R-R-O-R-I-S-T open parentheses, S, close parentheses. Okay. And there's a reason behind that way of spelling it, uh, but that requires one to read the story. Thank you so much for your time, Ron. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And that, a season for redemption. Uh, we're going to post uh, a link on our show notes and on the site uh, to my previous review. I, I enjoyed the book a lot. And uh, thank you for your time. Okay, thank you guys as well. Uh, absolutely a pleasure for me too. Well, Jim, uh, it's getting close to that time. I don't know, if, have you finished the book yet, Jimmy? I have finished the book. The only thing left to do is a little final touch-ups here with the uh, giant vegan metal chef 
tweezers, pl- <laughs> pluck a few pieces out, and then it'll be glued, pressed overnight. It'll be on the website tomorrow. Okay. Which people are not going to be hearing this, but those constant readers who go to paulthebookguy.com will have already yeah. seen it. The book they'll, is going to be up the early sale. Bird, uh, yeah, they get the early bird treatment because uh, they went to the site. That's right. We're going to have it up. It's going to be $33.33, and uh, all that is going to go to Paul the Book Guy. Oh, brilliant. Thank you very much, Jimmy. Great donation. And uh, uh, I know we chatted in between segments here, and uh, I think we're going to have a talk about maybe you becoming a, a full-time sponsor for the show. I think that, yeah, I think we're ready to uh, speak about that as well. Uh, before we go away, let me just get my new jingle box out, also known as my iPad, and... Item of the week from ThinkGeek.com. Now, Jimmy, uh, you're not a sponsor yet, but our sponsor, right? Uh, one of our sponsors right now is uh, ThinkGeek. And if you go to paulthebookguy.com slash ThinkGeek and uh, click on the links there, uh, we put up items uh, that are on ThinkGeek. It's a site that we go to. and I That's found- right. We, we were perusing the site just before the show here, <laughs> we trying were. to find an interesting item. I think we came up with a good one. We did. We did. It's the Tactical Sandwich. It's uh, the ultimate survival sandwich. They're five ninety nine. dollars uh, Each delicious sandwich has a shelf life of two years, comes in a sealed foil pack. Uh, it's less than 300 calories. Uh, two flavors, pepperoni and honey barbecue beef, uh, two year shelf life. Uh, if you want to be ready for the zombie apocalypse, which apparently is coming according to the CDC, uh, this is what you want. Uh, I, there's probably no real actual food in it. It kind of looks like a hot pocket. I'm waiting on the zombie survival sandwich that is made entirely of brains, and then we're in big trouble. Well, I think this one's made of like genetically modified grains, so that's okay. It's Isn't safe everything. Yes, it's safe to eat. Uh, two years uh, shelf life, $5.99. The guy in the video here looks like he's really enjoying it. Uh, and actually, if you go look at the tactical sandwich, it's actually spelled S-A-M-M-I-C-H. Uh, on the right-hand side, it says, people also bought tactical canned bacon. <laughs> which hey, <I'm>, <laughs> now, now you got me really interested. I, <laughs> I must have overlooked that. Yeah, there's a canned bacon that lasts for a couple of years as well. And it's apparently crispy. Uh, astronaut ice cream. The can, the Candwich canned sandwich. Highly caffeinated brownies and cookies. There's all kinds of stuff. Look, all kinds of food that you can buy at ThinkGeek. And if you go to paulthebookguy.com slash ThinkGeek, you get all the... Um, Special offers that we, uh, we we gift to you. And that was this week's... The Think Geek Item of the Week from thinkgeek.com.com. Uh, Jimmy, thank you so much for joining. Uh, Greg and uh, Chris couldn't make it this week. Mostly, mostly my fault because uh, I changed the recording date because um, I have a top secret meeting on Friday, um, which I will reveal next Sunday what I was doing. But... Um, uh, thanks a lot. Yes, it's been fun. It. It's been fun, and, and every once in a while, I was hearing you, uh, you carving, uh, carving the book. Live. Yes, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's not a beautiful process, but the result is beautiful nonetheless. So uh, by the time you hear this episode, folks, as we release on Sundays, uh, there will be a link on the site uh, where you can see the book that um, that Jimmy hollowed out. If it's anything like the ones that I've bought, that's going to look look pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's very nice, and like I say, it is autographed by Orson Scott Card, and uh, it's going to include a dust jacket that'll be permanently attached to it. It's a 
fantastic addition to there you go. Your, autograph your by yes, B. Orson Scott Curry. Very beautiful autograph. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much, Jimmy. And all um, right, uh, one more thing. Yep. I have I have been keeping a scorecard, and if you do not count the breaks in between segments, would you like to know your <laughs> brilliant? How count? many times I said brilliant? Okay, give it to me. We are up to twelve brilliance minus three for the segments in between recording. <laughs> so nine in the show. <laughs> nine in the show. I think that that uh, that may not be a record, but we're going to start keeping track. Okay, Jimmy. Thank you for uh, for watching my progress on eliminating the uh, word brilliant from my uh, nervous vocabulary. Onward <laughs> and upward, sir. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that you're not counting my ums and ahs because there's quite a few of those too. I, I do not have the patience. It's like I say, I got a, I got a face for radio and a voice for uh, television, and, you know, it just ain't right. <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks a lot for having me on. Not a problem, Jimmy. You know what that music means. It means we got to go, and uh, we'll see you next week. Same book time. Same book channel. We'll be talking to him in a minute after these...